0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode 19 of the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani, and I'm joined tonight by Tony Marchese. It's time to crack them and get caught up on your Blackhawks. What's going on, Johnny? <sighs> Not too much, Tony. Um, enjoying a lot of winning right now. That's uh, you know what? my main concern. I come into this really upbeat and uh happy. So, what about you know you? what?
1: Winning is fun. It is mm-hmm. really really fun. And I think this is the most upbeat I've been on a Four Feathers podcast ever. Um I am just I'm inject these wins into my veins, man. I'm I'm in heaven with what I saw over the past 5 games it's been the best stretch of hockey I've seen in far too long far 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 too long
0: yeah absolutely same here um, I mean these guys came out of the all-star break looking to pr- uh, prove a point so uh, they definitely have they've won um, you know they won the two before but then they've won every game since so uh, let's get in and break these uh, last few games down a little bit so since we last talked on Friday night the uh, uh, Blackhawks went to Buffalo and got a 7-3 win, Uh big uh, night for Kaner there, we'll talk more about that, on Saturday night, the following night, uh, they had a 4-3 OT Thriller uh, win at Minnesota, always good to beat the Wild, and then on Tuesday night, uh, really stuck at Edmonton in the third period, ended up uh, 6-2 was the final of that game, so... Uh, just run with uh, a little bit of what your uh, favorite part of that is. Uh, you can touch on you know all the games or if you want to focus in on one, the uh, floor is yours, Tone.
1: Yeah, I don't even know where to start with this. Um, Kane's 900th in front of the hometown crowd for him. Uh, special moment for that guy. And man, is he just playing his heart out right now for the Hawks. You knew it was going to happen. Um, I mean, this is just on repeat at this point in time. Patrick Kane is one of the best forwards in hockey, um, and we've said how much of a joy it is to watch him play. Uh, seeing him get that in, in front of his family and uh, you know people that uh, he grew up with and all that who were in attendance for that game, special moment for him, you, gotta, you love to see that. Uh, Saturday, uh, you go into OT against Minnesota. The Hawks have been not good in – Overtime games um, This was on Groundhog's Day And it was kind of funny Because when it went into OT Got a text from uh, from one of my buddies that like, Groundhog's Day I bet they're going to lose Maybe not even touch the puck And then you see him come out And win that game um, Very telling moment there for, for an organization so far this year That's really struggled uh, In the fourth period And you get two goals from Gustafson Like you said Including the game winner I mean Gus came out that night And just played his game, uh, very offensive-minded, and, you know, you you, you can't complain. And then you come into uh, Tuesday last night, and you just—you see the offensive explosion. I think that period, the third period last night, was probably the most fun that I've had watching Blackhawks hockey since the Stanley Cup winner. There's no— no doubt about how awesome that game was. Uh, I take that back. The opening game of last year was pretty fun when they exploded on on the Penguins. But in, in recent memory, uh, you haven't really had that kind of offensive explosion. Uh, five goals in a period, uh, it just seemed like they were pouring it on. You had three of them come within a two-minute span. It was hard to keep up with. It was fast-paced. It had that playoff Blackhawks feel to it. They were just rolling. And every time they had the puck, there was just that feeling of they're gonna do something. I don't know about you, Johnny, but when the hawks are playing great hockey, you can you kind of get that feeling that like just you know that there's an opportunity for them to score, and you expect that goal to come, and they just kept scoring. Uh, I haven't had that feeling in, in quite a long time, and, and it was just back. It came rushing back so fast for me after that second goal went and you just knew that they were going to continue to score over and over again. It was just uh, I lost for words. This team has really shown what they're made of, I guess you could say, uh, when it comes to a heart standpoint, and I'll get into a little bit more of, of why I think that is. I'm just thrilled right now. I'm, I'm lost for words with the, with the performance that this team has put together over the stretch.
0: Yeah. Everything. It's all so exciting right now. Um, just some, it, it's great. We, like you said, the, I like the point that you made about, you just feel like they're going to score that. That's definitely true. Uh, they got, ball rolling on friday night at buffalo um i was watching that with one of my buddies and we were just talking about like all right well when when when's kane gonna get rolling when's this you know 900th point everyone's kind of sitting on the edge of their seat and then boom gets a breakaway drives right up shoots five hole and you know just an unbelievable moment there i love they showed the picture earlier in the day like on the pregame show um, of him, it's uh, I forget who it is from the Sabers uh, back when Patrick Kane was a kid growing up in Buffalo, but he's actually on the card. Like when you look at yeah, it, like yeah, he was I like, saw, yeah, I saw that. Thing. You know That's cool. Saying? Like yeah, with sitting there with his dad wearing like a you know one of those old school white and blue uh, like uh, royal blue like Sabers jersey. So uh, that was cool to see all of that on Friday night. I was impressed. Uh, obviously, Eric Gustafson, uh, player of the game for uh, Saturday night, two goals in the OT winner. That guy uh, is driving offense from the back end, and that's what we need. We talked about, you know, past episodes, how they're so top-heavy in their scoring. But then, you know, you get contributions from guys like him. You get a Cahoon goal last night, and I know he's on the top line, but Drake Kajula, um, he had a goal. His first goal as a Hawk Friday night. That was good to see, and then scoring against his former team um, last night against Edmonton. So that five-goal third-period explosion, uh, dude, I couldn't even keep up with it. I was manning the Four Feathers Twitter account. Um, I I would have to, like, tweet the next update, like, the actual, like, uh, gif of the goal about five, six minutes after it actually happened when I'm usually eh, about a minute or two behind it. They were just scoring that quickly. So uh, it's fun. It's fun when I have that problem. I'd like to have that problem more often going forward. Um, That's that's something
1: that you bring up, Johnny, that I don't think we give enough promotion to is – our website, uh, Four Feathers Pod. WordPress.com. We do a GIF, uh, game in GIFs, that uh, that comes out the morning after every game, sometimes the night of. Mm-hmm. Um, Johnny is mainly the, uh, the brain trust behind all that, but uh, it's been picked up by quite a few different news outlets out there using some of the GIFs mm-hmm. that, that, that we're collecting. And um, if you guys miss a game or miss a play, head on over to Four Feathers' uh, website. And, uh, and check out the game and GIFs. It's, it's it's something really cool. You get a little bit of a recap of what happened the night before. And uh, you get all the good scoring plays, all the big plays of the game. It's a way, great way to, to keep up if, uh, if you happen to miss something. So I just want to put that out there for everybody. We, uh, we're not only a podcast, we also have a blog too. So um, go check it out.
0: Yeah, so that's in the uh, Twitter bio um, in the blog section. It's fourfeatherspod.wordpress.com. We also do on day, game, day of games uh, a little, we call it the quick hitter preview. And that's not to overload you with information. It's just to literally a quick hitter, give you a few bullet points of information about trends of the recent teams, uh, trends of the players that are going to be involved in that game. Ah, uh, we give you the projected lineups, and then we even give you a little tidbit at the end to uh, call it laugh it off. So, uh, you know, because we like to incorporate a little bit of humor into this. So, if we ever see something funny in the Blackhawks or hockey world going on, we'll throw there that at the bottom of those previews. But yeah, just something if you you know want a little quick like one and a half, two minute read max. Uh, uh, those will be out on days of games beforehand too. So those are all under blog posts, and then obviously all these. Uh, when you talk about the game and gifts um, you know, we do them enough talking about them here. This is where we do our analysis our breakdown of all that. So instead of writing all that and basically transcribing our thoughts on the game, we just, instead of telling you, we just show you. So if you want, you want to catch up on the highlights, boom, there you go. It's all right there um, on the website. Uh, so yeah, those, those, thank you for pointing that out, Tony, for uh, the listeners who may have not checked that out yet. So let's, you know, Patrick Kane had his 900th point. On uh, Friday at Buffalo, uh, he's got a 12 game point streak right now, 10 goals, 18 assists over that uh, stretch. He's on pace for 119 points. Uh, you know, it feels like we, we're talking about him every time, but he's worth talking about every time just because he'll do something that wows you. Uh, I mean, there could be a Patrick podcast
1: up. at this point in time just talking about yeah. what Patrick Kane does on the ice and how just absolutely special <gasps> yeah. it is to watch him play. Like you said, I mean, 12 game point streak the pace is just incredible obviously that's going to fall off a little bit but I mean there's just something about the way that he's playing the game right now Johnny that he's playing with such passion and such fire that I feel like that's rubbing off on a lot of the other guys too
0: absolutely um you kind of feel like you get this vibe because you know Taves is he's he's had a good a little stretch here ever since the all-star break um I feel like these guys kind of have a chip on their shoulder. Um, That's kind of the vibe that I get. There's a tweet from uh, Jason Leaser. He's a uh, beat reporter, I think, for, I believe it's the Chicago Sun-Times, but um, when Tony you had said about talking about uh, the motivation behind this team right now, so he says, Feisty visiting locker room at Rogers' place. Uh, This is from yesterday after the game. Hawks have the music blaring. Heard a lot of clapping and yelling, too um so it seems that these guys have a little bit of a swagger to them now they have you can see it on the ice obviously so then you hear about the celebrations you know everyone talks about the bears doing club dub after their wins and kind of keeps a good mojo going there Uh, there you get the feeling that they're coming together but tony you have a specific piece of information that you think may be contributing to it you want to share it with the listeners
1: absolutely so i feel like this team is driven by that chip that you you briefly mentioned there the chip on their shoulder and I feel like the organization wanted to provide that chip that lo- that light the fire under their ass, per se, when they fired Coach Q earlier in the year. And I think that that was a bad move still to this day, firing Coach Q. Uh, I think the real chip came when you started to see these rumors about Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith being asked to move, r- wave their no-movement cloths. And my reasoning behind that is, is you started to see this, the Hawks are going to sell mantra going on throughout Blackhawks Twitter, throughout the beat writers, Um, and you just kind of felt like, you know, this is it, the core is going to get moved. Somebody from the core, somebody from, you know, whether it be Seabrook, I know that would be a hard one to move, Duncan Keith, a little bit more reasonable. I mean, even us, we, we talked about this at length on about the last two, three shows of You know, the possibility of somebody like a Duncan Keith getting moved. And I just think back to when Coach Q was let go. The statements that Patrick Kane made about how he felt like that was his fault and how he felt like he could have done better. And I feel in my heart and my mind that the reason that they're playing the way they are right now is because they are a wounded animal. And there's nothing more dangerous than a wounded animal. They know that Stan Bowman and company want to move Brent Seabrook. They know that Stan Bowman wants to get rid of Duncan Keith because they're facing this, this crossroads right now. And I know damn well that Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, they love playing for the Blackhawks organization. They love being here. They want to win another cup. As a Black Hawk, we saw the reports that Duncan Keith uh, and Brent Seabrook were asked to move their no-trade clauses. I know Dunk, uh, Brent Seabrook came out and shut that down when he was asked by the media um, whether or not that happened, and it was Elliot Friedman too, one of the most respected writers in in hockey, uh, who came out with that report. So you know that it's probably not BS at that point in time if somebody as trustworthy as as Friedman. Uh, puts that out there that this was this was a thing that happened, and I feel like that was the fire that finally lit underneath the Blackhawks that they needed to do something and they needed to play harder than they ever had before because this was it. This was the last hurrah that they have, the last chance that they have as a group. And I feel like you know when you when you stare down the barrel of the gun like that. You want to prove something. You have that chip on your shoulder, and that's what they needed in order to start playing like this. And I don't think that the front office expected it. I don't think that Stan Bowman expected the Hawks to go on this five-game run and put them in the situation where they're three points out of a playoff spot at this point in time. You look at what some of these media reports come out with and say, you know, they're looking to move these guys, and all of a sudden you find yourself – you know, what is it? Seven points away from, you know, being really locked into a playoff spot and seven points away from being at the bottom. Um, this can go either way. And the players on the Blackhawks, the Patrick Kane, the Jonathan Taves, they want to play in the playoffs. There is no doubt in my mind that any of those guys would want to end up in last place. These guys are competitors, they're athletes, they're professionals. They don't want that on their resume. They don't want last place finishes. They want to be competing for a Stanley Cup come May. And right now, that's how they're playing. You look at this five-game stretch, you look at the offensive explosion, they're beating the teams that they need to beat. They're beating divisional opponents like Minnesota And overtime. They're playing with this absolute chip, like you said, on their shoulders. And I think it's those rumors of one of these core guys getting moved that has really lit that fire. Johnny, your thoughts.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think you put it there perfectly. You had said the wounded animal comment. I love that. Um, and I think I really do. As much as the, uh, you know, they deny it and say, oh, no, nobody's coming. Uh, it was Brent Seabrook when they were, the media was talking to him before they uh, got back to action, you know, no, nobody has come and uh, approached me about waving my no-move clause to get there. Even just hearing, you know, he says, I don't know where that report came from. He knows damn well where it came from, from, you know, Elliot Freeman. He knows that. Um, But – the, that just sends a message to them and if seabrooks like we had talked about being the heart and soul of the team one of the you know top guys i'm sure he came in the locker room with an attitude that next day and got the boys going so you know we're not in that locker room we don't know exactly what goes down in there but i would have to imagine that it's a different um sort of vibe than it was earlier on in the season when they weren't playing up to this level it, it just looks like a different swagger it's really encouraging to see that come together right now
1: yeah no i mean i completely agree with that it's you know, as as a fan of the Blackhawks, watching some of these games, especially early on in the year, you know, right after Q was let go, some of those dark stretches of time, I mean, it was it was laborious, man. I'm not going to lie. It was, do I really want to sit through this right now? And I feel like we've kind of, at least right now, gotten past that. that feeling of, uh, do I have to watch this? You know, do I really have to watch this team just – defeat itself over and over and over again and you know the reason you stick with it like we, we talked about was you watch for the guys like Kane you watch the guys like Taves you watch because you know there's something special that can happen when those guys are on the ice I'm really impressed with like the likes of Dylan Strom and Kajula I mean those some of these guys are starting to make names for themselves uh a little bit more than What we had before and you like to see some of these guys just kind of develop i think i think one of the guys i'm really really high on is strome and i am becoming a bigger fan of that trade every time i see strome score every time i see perlini get in there and and do something the one thing that like i kind of touched on was i didn't i didn't think that bowman expected this five game run Um, And I wanted to get into this with you, Johnny, is when you look at the lineup construction that they had against Edmonton, we're talking about putting in Cam Ward, who has been subpar to our Lord and Savior. You put in Kunitz over Perlini, and then they made one other change. It
0: was uh, Slater Cuckoo in for uh, Gustav Forsling.
1: Okay, so yeah, Slater was in for Forsling. I I don't think that one's too much, more of you know like signaling that the tank is on, because as of now Forsling really hasn't shown as much as he could, and Cuckoo is just kind of there. There really hasn't been any impact of his play, but Kunitz and Ward kind of signal more of a. Yeah, we're not really going all out because they didn't put their best lineup on the ice.
0: Yeah, that was interesting.
1: And to me, that was very interesting because you'd think you want your best lineup on the ice against Edmonton. Not that Edmonton's a great team. I mean, they've really struggled, but they have a lot of offensive firepower. I mean, it's it's Connor McDavid. (laughs) That guy can win a game on his own. So... You know, And then you see the defense, and we, we talked about this a little bit, the defense held McDavid shotless through the game.
0: Yep, first time since his rookie year, right?
1: Yeah, first time since McDavid's rookie year that he was held shotless. And this is the Blackhawks' defense we're talking about.
0: The worst shot suppression in the league.
1: The worst shot suppression defense in the league held the best player in the National Hockey League shotless for the first time in, what, two years?
0: you've got to be kidding me yeah
1: you've got to be kidding me so this team is absolutely in my mind playing at another level they've they've kind of hit that you know when we used to uh, be a, a annual playoff contender you know can the hawks flip that switch right now that switch that proverbial switch that we've always talked about is flipped with the hawks right now and i i really go back to the fact that they're playing with that chip because they don't want to see this core moved. They believe in themselves. I know a lot of people want to give credit to Colleton for this, but I think this was here all along. I don't think this is a coaching thing. I think this is this is Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane and Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith leading this team. I don't think that Jeremy Colleton versus anybody else, I don't even think that if, if Coach Q was here still, would have any impact on this run that they're on right now. This is purely driven by the players themselves wanting to not um, have their group separated.
0: So you make a lot of good points there. Um, I really don't. I, I don't need to rehash all of that. I, I just have a few things to supplement that I had already mentioned it. I said we're not in the locker room. We don't know exactly what goes on in there. So I do think it's a you know internally driven thing by the guys, uh, the core guys. You know. Uh, Just stepping up and saying, you know, whether it's a different message that's being delivered, whether it's a different uh, preciseness in their um, preparation for the game, whatever it may be, there's something that's changed there. And then you had mentioned Dylan Stromi, like how he's playing. Uh, He's got eight points over this five game stretch here. Um, He's definitely stepping up. He plays a vital role in the power play. I know uh, Ron Luce had talked about that on the show last week. It's kind of all coming together here. And I I have some more stats here. As we get into this, you know, it's saying this switch is turned on. So what does this mean? You know, you had mentioned the seven points from a solidified, not like solidified, but more in like the thick of that playoff run, not just the outskirts, and also about seven points from being like, you know, almost completely out of it. So we're sitting in the middle here, and, of course, everybody's going to bring up. Uh, playoffs? Don't talk about it. Playoffs? You kidding me? Playoffs? But I, I have some statistical notes, so um, bear with me here. Some numbers coming at you. But since uh, December 12th, the Blackhawks have the best conversion rate on power plays at 35.8%. The second-place team is the Tampa Bay Lightning at 29%. Think about all those weapons that they have, Kucherov. Headman, Stamkos, you name it. So then go to most standings points since December 12th. Islanders one with 34, Calgary 2 with 33, Tampa Bay 3rd uh, with 32. Those are the leaders up there, and San Jose is 32 as well, so tied for 3rd. But the Blackhawks have 28, they're ninth. Then you go to most goals scored since December 12th. San Jose with 91, Calgary with 90, Blackhawks 85, 3rd place there. So there has been a switch turned on. I know we're talking about more of this run here, you know, over these last five games on this winning streak. But uh, that this has been there. All, it's it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's when you're ranking in those. I mean, I'm sure the defensive numbers aren't, you know, outstanding, but that's just the way that the team is constructed there. But there are positive aspects to this. And it's uh, when you talk about the playoffs in there. Playoffs? There are three currently going into the game against Vancouver tonight. Three points from the second wild card spot in the Western Conference. So those standings are, they read like this. Vancouver in that final eight spot with 54 points and 54 games played. St. Louis with 53 points and 51 games. Colorado, 52 points through 52 games. Arizona, 51 points through 53 games. Edmonton, 51 points through 53 games. The Hawks, 51 points through 54 games. And then Anaheim, 51 points through 54. And then the Kings are at the bottom spot, 48 points through 53 games. So (laughs) this is a game against Vancouver. Um, you hold them pointless and then you are right up there knocking on the door. So uh, I'm not going to say they are for sure. I'm not going to say they are not for sure, but I just had to give the numbers and then, you know, you make it that of what you want. Um, both you, Tony, and the listener. So would when you hear those that whole stat attack that I just gave you there, what do you expect going forward here?
1: Well, we've set a little bit of a precedent now, and I, I think that I need to kind of go back and apologize for my mentality on this team probably for the past four or five episodes because you bring up some of those stats since December 12th, And you kind of, if you really dig in like we just did there, it's not all doom and gloom. And I feel like we've been very doom and gloom. I'm guilty of it myself. But watching this team over the past five games, I've come to expect a little bit different. If they can pull this off against Vancouver tonight, like you said, they're knocking on the door. So what's next? You have to expect that there's going to be a little bit of a rough patch that they're going to hit at some point here. But I don't foresee that long losing stretch that's going to bring them back down to last in the league. I don't mm-hmm. know about you, but I just don't see that coming from
0: them. I, just from the different attitude and the different Yeah, just from the different at, with, Yeah, just
1: from the different attitude that they're playing with, I don't see them going
0: at another five game losing streak. I can I see them clawing in every game. That's my opinion. Even right. if they don't win it, they're going to give themselves a you know a chance to come back in a game. If they're down, they're going to force overtime. Maybe if they lose in that, still pick up a point. It's going to be more frequently than those five game. We had a seven game at one point this year, a four game, a three game losing streak. I feel like it we're bound to you know drop off a little bit. I would say, um, but I don't think it's it's like. Uh, like you said something that would drop us to the bottom spot in the standings again.
1: Right. So I don't I don't think that this whole lose for Hughes scenario really plays out. And I know I I feel like this has been a roller coaster of a year, but we're we're kind of climbing that that ladder. There's going to be another drop, like we said. We know that there's going to be another drop. There's going to be a point where we lose 3 in a row and all of the Lose for Hughes guys are going to come back out and say, told you so, this team is terrible, blah, blah, blah. And it's going to be disappointing. We we may be in for a big heartbreak towards the end of this year. And, yeah, the Hawks may end up with a middle-of-the-road draft pick. And I think you and I talked about this a little bit last night. There's no guarantee, even if we go in – to the draft with a last place pick, or with in last place with the with the highest chance of a number one overall in the lottery, that we even end up in the top two getting uh Hughes or uh uh Capo Keco. Um so percentage wise it's I, I don't know. I just at this point like we we, we kinda went round table on it. And it was one of our questions last week. Would you rather see them tank or would you rather see them make the playoffs? I still agree with the fact that I think it's more beneficial for this organization long term if they end up with a top three draft pick. But I'm not going to pass up playoff hockey. I'm just not. And if you sneak yourself into the playoffs, anything can happen. And if the team plays with the fire under their ass like they are right now, and You've got guys like Patrick Kane out there who can take over a game. You've got a shot. Now, they're doing all this without Corey Crawford as well, and that needs to be taken into consideration. We haven't heard a lot about what's going on with him. There's been you know, no status change, all that. That could be a dark horse in this whole entire race. If Crawford comes back and you're looking at Crawford and Delia, you're looking at a different goalie tandem. Because I don't think Cam Ward's going to be a, a playoff goaltender, and I'd be a little nervous. I mean, he's been really serviceable. I'm actually really happy with what he's done, but I don't trust him down the stretch to be the kind of guy that can hold hold something up. I know there's worse options out there, but you get a you get a Corey Crawford back, and maybe, just maybe, I'm not going to say we're buyers at the deadline. Just maybe you add a little bit of defense, and you're looking at a completely different squad here than what we saw back in November, early yeah, December.
0: Those are all interesting points to bring up for as for the uh, buy or sell. I still think we got to let these next few games play out here before a decisions made on that. Well, it's tough but, to say you but, can't, you can't put them in one of the one or the other right now. Yeah, you can't.
1: But Johnny, they've actually made a point. For there yeah. to be a discussion about it, and
0: yeah. When I say a few more games, I'm talking about like maybe like two, three. So like that's why this stretch coming up is going to be so crucial here. That's just my take on it. I wouldn't commit one way. You know, it's a big decision to make. I wouldn't commit one way or the other just yet. Right. That's my opinion.
1: But a week ago, just a mere week ago, or two weeks ago, even during the All Star break, we went in. We went into the All Star break on a little bit of a run. We were talking about, can we trade Keith? Who's the most expendable defenseman? You know, these are things that we talked about. And then we look at the team now as it stands. And you got to admit, there's a change in the, in the outlook just based on this recent stretch. And I give a lot of credit to these players for making us actually have this discussion right now because they've come out and said something. They they are a sleeping giant that has been awoken in order to make us have this discussion because I wrote them off for dead. I know I did. I think we all did.
0: Yeah, pretty we, much.
1: We literally marked them as dead, and here they are. So, I mean, as a fan, there is nothing more exciting than, than watching a five-game winning streak and seeing if they can turn it into more. These guys know how to win. There's no arguments about that. They know how to win. And if they can continue to play like this, Stan Bowman's going to be left with some really hard choices.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I just wanted to get back to a couple points you would made before I chimed in last time. The Crawford thing, that's a situation, another wait and see. Like you said, it completely changes that outlook. Could be a dark horse in this whole thing. And then... We're seeing Patrick Kane's best season right now, okay, on pace for 119 points, just tearing it up. Jonathan Taves already has more points than he did all of last season. It's all, for me, a lot of let's see what happens here, Um, but it's an exciting let's see what happens. That's about all we can do right now. Um, Those are just my last few thoughts before we get into close to wrapping this thing up. But before we jump into our last few segments, uh, we need to get to a word from our sponsor. Do you want me to hit him with the prospect stone?
1: Yeah, sure. Let's hit him with some prospect stuff.
0: Okay, so um not a full report this week, but uh, a couple of interesting things. Adam Boquist, um, he shows flashes of brilliance sometimes, uh, and he has this unbelievable goal. It's on the Elite Prospects Twitter. We retweeted it from... Uh, the four feathers account. I think I'll have to go and like make a blog post so we can have that pinned on our page. Cause it's just unbelievable. So good to see uh, Boquist, you know, jumping in as a defenseman, he weaves through a couple guys scores a ridiculous goal. Another thing to watch this weekend is uh, I'd say one of the Blackhawks top prospects. It's in college right now, Evan Barrett, who's just been on a great stretch for Penn state so far. He's just a complete gamer, always fun to watch. But anyway, his squad, Penn State, will be playing Minnesota. That's a big Big Ten rivalry, and that will be on the Big Ten network both uh, Friday and Saturday nights. So um, no Hawks games on those nights. So that's something to tune in if Blackhawks fans are looking for a little glimpse into the future. It's Jack Ramsey. He will be going up against as a Blackhawks prospect, a forward for uh, Minnesota. So that should cover your Friday and Saturday hockey fix. Only short one this week, Tone. Let's take a look at the week ahead. Thursday night at home, finally. First home game since the All Star break ended. Um, they're against Vancouver at 7 30 p.m. That's tonight. Um, Sunday, can I get a Detroit Sucks? Got Detroit, Detroit in town. Sucks. Yep. Red Wings are in town. Two o'clock start. Um, and then Tuesday night, they are off to Boston. Um, just a one game, a uh, little road trip there that game will be at 6 p.m. So what are you looking forward to? I know we had talked about the wait and see portion of this. So, I mean, I think Thursday is a game to key in on, but what, what about you? Obviously Detroit in there too. So
1: all of these teams outside of Nashville are probably the other three teams I despise the most. Um, The Detroit and Hawks rivalry, I think has kind of gone down since they've left the same uh, conference. So, Seeing them still broods that kind of hate in my mind. I wish the rivalry was a little bit better, but I'd still consider them our rival. Um, so I always love tuning into those games, if for nothing less than to just hear the crowd chant Detroit sucks. Vancouver, that rivalry also kind of died down a little bit. But I think that this game should have a lot of energy just based on the um, ramifications it has in the playoff race. I think the Vancouver game is probably the most important just because they hold that final wild card spot right now. So if the Hawks are, you know, gearing up for something, uh, here it is. Beat Vancouver, you put yourself that much closer. Um, The Boston game, I think the Hawks should also go in with a little bit of a chip on their shoulder after getting beat in the Winter Classic. So uh, seeing them... Uh, come out and beat boston would also be a little bit nice um, as far as that goes but i think vancouver the game that's next is the one that they've got to focus on so i'm looking forward to seeing what they do against vancouver see if we could turn this into a six game win streak and uh, put ourselves right there i think that's the uh that's the goal that's what they're all focusing on and uh, i'm excited to see them come back in front of the home crowd and kind of see if they could put on a little bit of a show like they have the past few games
0: so obviously we're off to a jump start here with this five game win streak, but from here on out, another little fun fact for everyone, the Blackhawks have the twenty eighth ranked strength of schedule going forward to the rest of the season. So the path is there and we need to stay on that path and start driving away at it. Uh Thursday night against Vancouver. Um you know, it's not the same rivalry, not the same guys on the Vancouver side, uh, like, you know, no Ryan Kessler there anymore, but that's going to be a heated one, especially just because of the jockeying for those uh, points, uh, those precious points to make it in the playoff. Every, you know, every point counts at this point point in the season so um that'll be a fun one to watch and, you know there's people that like get mad about the oh why detroit's not a rival anymore why do people still chant detroit sucks i personally think it's hilarious so i am excited to tune in and listen to that and then tuesday night i hate boston too they're probably one of my least favorite Eastern conference teams so uh, i agree with the winter classic sentiment uh will chip on your shoulder getting beat on a big stage like that especially when it's technically our home game so it's going to be a fun week ahead and hopefully they can keep it rolling. I really hope next time we talk, Tony, we are talking about an eight game win streak.
1: Wouldn't that be nice?
0: That would be unbelievable. Wouldn't it be just
1: so nice to be talking about an eight game win streak? The Hawks could potentially, if they do go on an eight game win streak, be talking about being the, uh, being in the wild card already. Um, yeah. so I mean the next, the next few podcasts are going to be really fun. I had a lot of fun talking about winning hockey, uh, Pretty much for the first time that we've ever had on on four feathers. So,
0: yeah, first time since that hot start at the beginning of the year, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, well, I, I would actually rate this a little bit better than the hot start that they had. I mean, the hot start was oh it was yeah, good, I'm just but, saying
0: the last time we talked about winning hockey.
1: Yeah, was, so yeah.
0: I mean, it gets a little
1: bit it gets a little bit mundane. We're n- we're not gonna lie, talking about uh, uh, losing hockey and you know just some of the other stuff going on in the in the National Hockey League. We want to talk about winning Blackhawks hockey. I mean, we're fans, and uh, we root for this team to win. That's why we're here. Um, Nobody wants to see your team tank. Um, Johnny and I are both big White Sox fans. The past few years for us on the Sox side have been a little bit painful. It's fun to think about the future, but uh, flags fly forever, man. And uh, you can put a flag in the rafter. That's all that matters because – I mean, you look at 2010, 2013, 2015, you get yourself in that playoff spot, you never know what can happen. Putting the uh, the cart before the horse here a little bit, but I'm excited to see if this team can pull it out because I just think it'd be so refreshing. And as a fan, I, I love playoff hockey, and playoff hockey is so much better when the Hawks are in it.
0: I agree 100%, and I think you wrapped this episode up perfectly, so... Thank you for tuning in. This is episode 19 of the Four Feathers podcast. And as always, let's go Hawks.
1: Let's go Hawks.